0: Welcome back to the Council 36 podcast. I am your host, Daisha. I hope everyone is doing well during these extremely tough times. You know, the coronavirus cases have been surging over the past few weeks. Um, So I don't know if you heard, I'm sure you have heard, um, but Governor Newsom has tightened the restrictions again. Um, So hopefully we can begin to flatten the curve again. And hopefully during these times, we can find little things that bring us joy and happiness, you know, while also being safe. That's extremely, extremely important. Um, and so I'm actually a little excited to finally be moving into 2021. Hopefully 2021 will be a better year. I'm just I'm keeping my hopes up. Wishful thinking, you know. But um, speaking of COVID-19... Uh, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors recently passed an anti-retaliation ordinance. Um, The ordinance will protect workers who report COVID-19 health and safety violations. Um, The Los Angeles Federation of Labor has really been pushing for this ordinance. Um, So thank you to everyone who helped out, who really, you know, made some effort to get this passed because it'll protect a lot of our members and our workers who are, are afraid that, you know, they're going to be discriminated against or retaliated against because they're, you know, making the public health department aware of these violations. So thank you to everybody for that. Next up, I want to introduce a new segment called the Union Corner where we discuss some of the most important information you need to know about labor unions. It's been something that we've been working on for a while now. And so we're happy to finally introduce it to you all. And hopefully, you can find some good information in these segments and hopefully, you can implement them in your workplace. So I'm joined today by Business Rep Leticia, who is a representative for Local 127, the City of San Diego, and the City of Coronado. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Daisha. I love the opportunity to share with you some information about the field.
0: Um, So today's topic is going to be know your contract, know your rights. So first, let's start with what is a union contract? A
1: union contract, usually referred to as a collective bargaining agreement under the law, the Public Employees Relations Board has defined it as a binding agreement between the state, county, or municipality or school district with the exclusive representative, me, as it is in this particular matter with regards to the City of San Diego or the City of Coronado, where we are in binding agreements, collective bargaining agreements with um, each respective city and ask me in me and our local local.
0: Okay, so next, what would you say is, or are some of the most important parts of a union contract?
1: Definitely is the voice of our members, right? The members, our members that we represent have a direct effect to the five areas that I consider the strongest parts of a contract, which is the wages, which is their benefits, which is number three, the working conditions, number four, job protections, and number five, knowing your rights to have leave. Um, there is definitely um, when you look at the, the strength of a contract, it involves our ability to negotiate, if ask me, the wages, hours, and working conditions of the employees that we represent at a city, municipality, county, or a school district. So for us, the power is on our ability to collectively bargain on behalf of our members.
0: OK, and so what are the union rights as far as a contract goes?
1: So for us, our ability as exclusive representative for AFSCME we have the ability to negotiate contract language that provides rights to employees, For example, a non-discrimination article is important where our employees feel protected for speaking up or for enforcing their contract, for example, a grievance article or the right to take a particular type of leave or, for example, the ability for us to speak up and stand up for seniority our ability to ensure that our members have retirement and pension and have something to look forward to after dedicating their years of service to the to the employer. And so for us, we have ability to negotiate and ensure that our contracts are strong and our members' rights being protected uh, through this binding agreement.
0: Okay. And Les, um, what is the best way for a union member to access their contract?
1: Thanks, Dacia. That's a wonderful question. For us, is that our members can have access to their collective bargaining agreement, to their memorandum of understanding on the union board at their work site. You're able to not only access it, but also download it uh, through either the employer's website or the local's district council 36 website or its actual local website, where they can reach out and get a hold of their president, their steward or their business representative to ensure that they understand um, accessing the the MOU, the collective bargaining agreement, so they know their rights and they can enforce them right at the work
0: site. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that information with me. Um, If you're a union member, make sure you know your contract. It is important and it is vital to having an amazing workplace. So if you don't already have access to it, make sure you reach out to your locals, to your union presidents to get access to it and make sure you read it um, from cover to cover. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Daisha. Remember to know your contract and be a voice at the worksite.
0: Ask me strong. Now to the interview. Okay, joining me today, I have Aiko, um, who is a member of Local 946. Uh, thank you for joining me. Um, can you start by introducing yourself?
2: Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me. My name is Aiko Marcial Rivera. I am currently a paralegal with aesthetic legal services. Um, I am an immigrant. I have DACA. And I actually just joined um, Beth Setic this June. So I haven't been part of the
0: family for, <laughs> for a long time yet. Well, thank you. We're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. Uh, so can you describe a little bit about what you do at work?
2: Yeah. So um, I joined Beth Setic this June as part of the paralegal for the Employment Rights Project. Um, and it's the first time that the project has had a paralegal, which is really like bizarre to me just because of the amazing work that they do. Um, So we provide services to low income uh, folks in LA County only and regardless of immigration status, which is like amazing to me. And it was one of the reasons why I was drawn to this job position um, because I just wanted to serve immigrants at a different capacity. Um, so we provide services, uh, folks come to us with different types of employment issues. So a lot of what we're seeing is a lot of wage theft, um, specifically for undocumented workers. Um, you know, they're the most vulnerable workers. So a lot of them do come to us because, um, a lot of day laborers who have, you know, done a job and don't get paid and don't really know what their rights are or what they can do. And we help them through the labor commissioners process. Um, Those are just like some of the things that we do. We also work closely with a lot of community partners. So a lot of community centers like the Garvey Worker Center. Um, We work with um, domestic workers. So we work with the California Domestic Worker Coalition um, and just providing know your rights to them. That's mostly what the attorneys do. Um, Right now, my role has been mostly uh, coordinating our weekly clinics. So we have clinics Wednesdays, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and folks, and we have a hotline where folks can call and we usually pre-screen folks and then add them to the list and just have volunteers help us um, call. And that's where some of our cases come from. Also, some of our cases come from um, our community partners yeah so
0: that's basically what I do (laughs) so have things been a little more hectic because of the pandemic uh extremely hectic
2: actually when I joined like the program itself um has been going through a lot of like transitions but yeah when I joined I literally was expected to hit the ground running and I kind of just like expected that um specifically just because at our clinics um Uh, As was explained to me um, in the past, like a lot of folks that do come to our clinics are folks that are needing help with like wage claims. And now the majority of the folks that come to us um, are they're needing help with the unemployment insurance and the MPUA. So just like not applying for PUA or like unemployment insurance because we don't help with that. It's more so like in the later stage of like, I've applied, I haven't received anything, like EDD hasn't sent me anything, or I've applied and like, you know, I got rejected and I don't know why, or just, you know, other other hiccups that they have experienced. And that has been a bit over like a lot of the work that we have been doing and just trying to understand, um, you know, that. That process um i actually didn't i would like i was not familiar with unemployment insurance or pua or anything like that so that's something that i learned on this job
0: wow but yeah i can only imagine the amount of work you guys have because this whole pandemic has been just you know overwhelming to say the least and so i know that there are a lot of people out there who are struggling um, especially, you know, with unemployment and wages and all of that. So I'm, I'm happy that you guys are there to, you know, help them out. Absolutely. Um, so you are new to Betsetic, but like at your previous job or before that, were you a part of a union or did they have a union? Yeah. So I actually
2: come from the immigration world, which I, which is like, so, Bizarre to think that I like got a new job during a pandemic and just switched completely. Like I guess they're not that different, but um, see, so yeah, I I was part of the IAM my previous job. I worked at a nonprofit that was immigration based. Um, so I was union. We were unionized by, or we decided to, uh, um, form a union with, um, the IAM. So the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, I usually always get it wrong, but I hopefully I got it right. Um, Which is like when I first, um, when we, when I first heard about like the name of the union, I was like, that has nothing to do with the work that we do. But, you know, I was also just learning about like, you know, what a union is and what unions do i mean i did have some background of unions but i wasn't really like you know really in the the labor movement i was more focused on the immigrant rights movement um but yeah i was really uh involved with the union i was part of the bargaining committee and i was also um like part of the efforts to have folks like sign on to like you know to become unionized Um, and just talking to folks who also didn't know what a union was like which was really like interesting to me because a lot of people were just like oh aren't unions bad and I'm just like no they're good (laughs) like (laughs) you would think as you know social justice like oriented organization like folks would you know know what a union was and be more inclined to join a union. Um, but yeah I, I was uh, part of the bargaining committee so I was there from the beginning to the end of the process I actually uh, so the the first contract ratified January of this year and wow. so yeah so then I left in June so I was part from like you know beginning to end so I saw everything and it was a very like for me it was a really good experience to see um, and also it was like an eye-opener for me, just being at the bargaining table with, like, management, and just realizing how they really felt about things, because you don't really know, because, you know, they just paint this image, and then it's, like, no, like, there's more to it, so I really, I really enjoyed that.
0: Okay, and I see that um, you had registered for a steward's training, which um, I'll talk about again in a second, uh, but are you looking to, like, get more involved with, um, local 946 and bet said it yeah, yeah yeah i am
2: looking to get more involved i mean i at the beginning i was just happy to be at another place that was union right and i feel like for me um having that experience like i'm never gonna work at a job that's not unionized <laughs> um so i yeah i have been interested just because i was gonna be one of the the stewards right um at my previous job but obviously I left, so mm-hmm. um, I still wanted to get that experience of what it was like, and I know um, for Bad things are, like, structured differently, which to me was really impressive, how, like, how things are structured, how there's, like, a whole committee of yeah. folks, like, you know, willing, like, you know, like, there's different committees for everything, um, and just, like, board, you know, like, eboard, yeah. like, the fact that they have that, compared to what I'm coming from, where like there was like four or five of us that were in the bargaining um committee. You know, being new, like I was just like, okay, like I don't really know where I fit in, just trying to figure out um like how I can help. And I did register for for the steward training just because I didn't get a training, unfortunately, um, before I left. Like I was set to get a training, but then COVID happened, so like, you know, they were just like restructuring how they were going to conduct steward trainings, and I, I mean, I still wanted to get that, even if I wasn't going to be a steward, I'm like, I still want to know, you know, what it's, what it entails.
0: Right, right, and so that kind of leads me into my next point, because I was, you know, going through the internet, like I usually do, and I came across this poem, Mm-hmm. and I was like oh I love this this is amazing and so I read the name and I said okay I know this name right I was like where do I know this name from so I googled it and of course Beth said it came up and I was like that's what it was because I remember seeing your name for the steward's training registration yeah. and I was like oh my gosh she's one of our members like I have to get her on the podcast uh, so can I read your poem I want to read your poem um, so that everybody can know how amazing it was. Of course, yes. You can go ahead and read it. Okay, thank you. Um, Okay, so the title of it is Soy Una Bella Mm -hmm. Afro-Mexicana. You ask yourself, what is that? Es una mezcla de la cultura africana y mexicana. I come from a lineage of former African slaves that arrived on the shores of Veracruz, along with Cortez para la conquista. I come from the womb of a beautiful brown mestiza woman de los montañas de guerrero, I am a product of my community, que lucha para para una vida mejor. Undocumented people fearing deportation or peor. They laborers trying to feed their families, single mothers tratando de sacar a sus hijos adelante, people of color harassed and brutalized by the poll ICE, police. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Beautiful brown and Black youth feeling helpless. I am a product of a hard working single mother who immigrated into this country to give her children a better life. I am a woman who will not tolerate anyone who refers to my mother as a, and I'll toss it to you to say that next line. Yes, yeah, so what back, illegal, or illegal alien? Yes. I am a woman who is easily motivated when I stare at my mother's fatigued body from working two jobs. I am a woman who is in the struggle to attain a higher education in order to make my mother's life a bit easier. I am a woman who fights against her own dehumanization and still has the strength to fight the dehumanization of her people and community. I aspire to inspire powerful and beautiful young women and men of color that feel invisible. I aspire to someday give back to those who helped me get to where I am and where I will be. The fears I hold are not only mine, the fears I hold are the same as my mother's, my brother's and my sister's. My fears are reflected in a community that is constantly preyed upon by the police, ICE, and gritty businessmen displacing my people. You ask me who I am. I am all of this combined into one beautiful, one powerful and beautiful Afro-Mexicana. Yay! So yeah, I read that and I was like, whoa, I I just I love this. And so one, what made you write that poem? And two, kind of tell me a little bit about the organization Punto Rojo.
2: Yeah, so I wrote that poem. It was like a class assignment, but really like I felt like I was just at a point where I felt lost and I was just like, I was like, okay, well, I don't really like know like again like who I am or what I bring to the table right and it's it was uh during like my freshman year in college which like for me was like I'm you know undocumented low income and I'm here at you know like UCLA and like I'm really not supposed to be here and just feeling that like survivor's guilt, right? Of like, okay, do I really belong here? Yeah. Or like, um, just like questioning my ability and myself, which like, unfortunately those institutions are like, you know, set up to like make you feel that way. Um, so I, you know, it was it was an assignment and I was just like, okay, I don't care. Like, I'm just gonna put Spanish words in there. I don't care if like, you know, <laughs> if I get a bad grade, but this is how I really feel. So, um like, I was feeling, like, just lost, insecure in that setting. And it's just, like, I guess for me, I found it very therapeutic just writing. Yeah, just reminding myself of, like, who I am and, like, where I come from and, like, how resilient I am instead of just feeling, like, guilty for being there. Just, like, no, like, literally, like, you you deserve to be here and you have, like, a lot to bring. Like, you're very different. Like, your background is very different. Like, your mom works two jobs um like I have my sister also worked two jobs and like unfortunately like my brother was you know no longer with us here in the U.S. because he was deported so it's just like you know like all this happened and like you know like you were set up to fail but you didn't and you should feel really proud about that um and also specifically for me it was like just like my identity as being like Afro-Latina right um and I grew up in Orange County so I wouldn't say the most but like San Diego and Orange County like you know very conservative um counties in California where like really it's just a bunch of white people and you really don't see anything else um so you know just coming into a place that you know has like quote, unquote, diversity, but not really, again, (laughs) Um, just like, okay, where do I fit in? Just because I know um, for mentors, I was told like, oh, you know, you're going to have your Latino community, but like getting to college, not really finding connect, like a connection to the Latino community, just because like, it's very like, oh, mestizo, like centered and, you know, to a certain extent, anti-Black. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, like, well, like, my dad's Afro-Mexican. Like, I come from Guerrero, which is one of the poorest states in Mexico. Um, Like, you know, just, like, questioning that and just seeing, like, where I fit into, like, everything and being okay with, like, not fitting in and being, like, my authentic self, you know, which is, like, Afro-Mexican undocumented. Um, And just, like, me writing that just kind of, it it was just, like, just like, you know, very therapeutic and it was like self-affirming for, for writing this. And I'm not even a poet. Um, <laughs> I think after writing this, I did start like writing just for myself, like whenever I was feeling um, you know, stressed or anxious or like insecure. So I don't really <laughs> I don't really share a lot of like those writings except like this one. Cause I, you know, I was like, you know, I'm really proud of this and like you know when people ask me like oh and it like who are you basically like comes from like when people like meet me they're like oh what are you are you like Mexican or are you black and I'm just like well I'm both like you know (laughs) and just people being confused where like they're like wait like I and it was also like I think during the time where like the whole Blacksican term was Mm. like uh, popular and for me, like, I don't identify as Black skin, um just because my understanding of Blacksican is, like, having in like, African-American parent and then a Mexican parent. And, like, both my parents are Mexican. So there's just, right. like, those layers of, like, Black people exist in Latin America. And, like, you all need to, like, understand that. <laughs> and, like, you, it's just, like, Black people exist everywhere. Like, right. just, you know... Understanding that and like educating folks on that um, is why I I you know I shared this poem too because I'm like you know like if you care about me if you want to be around me if you want to associate with me like you need to understand like these intersectionalities.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love that because it, it's it's been a huge conversation, especially on social media. I think it happens every so often. Where like a non-black Latino or Latina person will you know say something and then Black Latinos will be like, wait a minute, like I I do exist, right? Because a lot of times the um, Afro-Latino community can be excluded from certain conversations. So that is why that was one of the reasons why I loved it. I was like, yes, I love you know hearing and reading things like this. So then, you know, in your poem, you talk about some of the things that you want to accomplish. And I feel like at your job, you know, represented undocumented immigrants, you know, you are accomplishing those things. So kind of what made you want to be a part of the labor movement, especially since you are already a part of kind of like the immigrant movement? Yeah, so for me, uh, everything that I do usually
2: draws back from like my experiences or like people I know, right? Um, And I, you know, my previous job, like I got to the point where I felt like I wasn't really learning anything. I was just going through the motions. Um, And I've always been intrigued in the labor movement. I did a minor um, in labor and workplace studies when I was at UCLA. So I did get like, you know, just like the backgrounds of it and I never really like I was never really um, an organizer in the movement I never worked for any unions or internship or did an internship for any unions Um so because of you know my previous job like I wasn't learning anything and I was just craving to like learn something new Um that kind of pushed me I'm like okay well maybe it's a good time to do that transition right into into the, la- into the labor movement and also being like heavily influenced with my involvement in the union I'm just like well yeah like you know this was very interesting but I really want to know how it intersects with like workers like especially undocumented workers immigrant workers um excuse me um yeah so that's like what pushed me to to do this um and also like I feel like this specific job like was very ideal because it combined all my skills right like I was previously an organizer in the migrant rights movement and a paralegal um at my job so I'm like this job literally combines like the like the person that I am like my background is organizing and you know in organizing like you know some people in my in, in specifically um my experience like I was a youth organizer so there was a time where I'm like okay I'm no longer a youth so I, it makes <laughs> no sense for me to continue organizing right so just like transitioning into like something else which you know um, helping in a different capacity which was like me being like an immigration paralegal uh, so just tra- um, you know trying to transition into something new but also trying to see how I can expand my knowledge and how I can um, continue serving immigrants
0: but at, at a different capacity. Right it's a yeah so as far as being a part of like the immigrant movement what is some of the work that you've done because you said you're a youth organizer so kind of like talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah so I was a youth organizer for a few years uh, undocumented youth organizer specifically Um, so it's like providing empowerment to high school youth, um, that undocumented youth specifically and providing like political context of the immigrant rights movement right so um I know earlier I talked about like me questioning like oh like you know my identity and like where I come from and so letting them know like you're undocumented but that doesn't mean like you're less of a human being than someone else right just because like we hear we hear these things like you know political rhetoric political rhetoric like at a national level and like unfortunately some people like believe that and like perpetuate that right like the good immigrant versus bad immigrant narrative yeah. um and dismantling that like and just think beyond like being undocumented like you're a person like you have a lot to bring um you have skills right it's not like I'm undocumented and that's it like no there's like more to you so providing like those tools of empowerment to youth so that they can also like educate others um was basically what what I did as a youth organizer.
0: Yeah, so I think you actually answered what was my last question was about you know intersectionality, right? So you kind of talked about um, the immigrant movement and the labor movement and how they intersect. Um, are there any other like movements or activism that you're like a part of? or Are those kind of like the main the main two movements?
2: Yeah, those are just like the main two that I have been a part of. I mean, I'm a right now baby in the labor movement <laughs> um i have only been with aesthetics since june but i am really excited to continue learning and to see what i can contribute um but yeah i think they both intersect um you know workers rights or immigrant rights so right um specifically just because like those that are exploited the most are folks who, who are undocumented just because a lot of them think that, no protect, that they have no protections, right? And a lot of employees, employers, sorry, um, feel like they don't have protection so they can just like do whatever they want with undocumented workers. And also right. like they, they intimidate them. So I feel like both uh,
0: movements intersect. Yeah, they do. They do a lot. And so I'm happy that, you know, you're doing, you're working on both uh, because, you know, they're very important and, you know, we definitely need more more protections for immigrants. And I know that the labor movement is one of those, you know, movements that, you know, works hard to try and protect, you know, undocumented immigrants. Um, Yeah, and I know that you'll be more and more involved with Council 36. We're always looking for passionate people who, you know, are excited about these sorts of things. So I know that you'll be great. And I, you know, I can't wait to see kind of what you do as far as, you know, Council 36 and you know, Beth Setic. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You taking the time and, um, yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank you to everybody who listened to episode three of the council 36 podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and I will see you next time.